much they fit together as we go through. But we're going to start with that great Wesleyan hymn, And Can It Be? I don't know if you could get a stronger theological hymn than And Can It Be? which just talks about salvation and our promise in the future. And so we come in worship to magnify our amazing God, to glorify him. Let's start by standing and singing, and can it be? Amen. Thank you. Let me introduce... Um, tonight's study and this is the first of four over the next four months we sing a lot of songs in church don't we how often do we stop to think about what the songs actually mean there are some songs new and old that I find difficult to sing because I think the words are not biblical or they're twee or whatever just to sort of give an illustration of one, I'm not going to say too many because I think we should work it out for ourselves rather than me spoil all songs, but I'm quite happy to spoil this one. And it's one by Wren Collective. And Wren Collective have written some superb songs. But their song, My Lighthouse. Okay. My Lighthouse, My Lighthouse. And it talks about bringing safe to shore. Anybody who knows anything about lighthouses and the purposes of lighthouse is something you keep as far away from as possible. They're actually there to mark danger. Don't go anywhere near them. And those of us who come from the coast and, you know, that sort of find that song very difficult to sing because my lighthouse, my lighthouse, my lighthouse, keep me safe to shore, no. Keep me far away from those pesky lights as possible. And I've probably spoiled that song for you now, if you ever liked it. <laughs> Sorry, John? John Dunnett then wants it again. Okay. I could give you a list more, but you might like some of them. That first hymn we just sung, And Can It Be? I mean, there's theology, there's language and that all the way through it. And we're going to look at a song that actually I'm going to blame him, Ken introduced us to in this church just after it came out, I think. And we've sung it a number of times, and I think it's a brilliant song, and I only disagree with one line in it. Okay, but I'm not going to reveal what line it is. But I will tell you it's not in verse one, because we're not going to come to it today. Okay? Now you're going to have to all study that and see which line is theologically not correct. And I'll be checking others who are preaching on this to make sure they find the one that's not theologically correct. And so, Sam's going to put up on the screen the first line, or first part of the first verse. And I just think this is amazing theology in here. And uh, the writer whose name I have forgotten, uh, City of Light, they don't actually tell us what the name is, the writer is there, I think has done a superb job of putting together the gospel in this song. And so, if you can't see it up there, if you've got the song sheet, it's also on there. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer, 
There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness, my freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. Aren't those rich words? And then it goes on, thank you, Sam. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine, I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Amazing words. And it's something about the joy of being able to recognise some scripture and that. So what we're going to do now, <clears throat> Sam, if we can go back to the first slide again, and I'm going to ask you, Vicky's going to be the beautiful assistant running around and uh, walking around, and I want to say, on this verse, what, what biblical themes do you see? And extra point, if you can tell where they appear in the Bible. But you can just go with the themes if you want. But if you know where they appear in the Bible, that would be great as well. That's got them stumped. For those listening in online, everybody's now looking totally stumped. <laughs> but Carmen has come to Vicky's rescue. Thank you, Carmen. It's not by grace that you're saved. It's of the gift of, of God. Of yeah. Of God. Because yeah. Ephesians. Ephesians, yes. We'll give you that one. That's two points because you've got a theme and a text. That's fine. Thank you. Any other thoughts? Even if you can't remember where the text comes from, that's okay. Just say it's the Bible. Wait a minute, let Vicky come with the microphone. I would have thought it was John 3, 16, where Jesus uh, gave his life and God let him be. Oh. That uh, Jesus is the answer and he is our redeemer through that act of love. Thank you, Sue. Lovely. The theme of love there. Yeah. Any other... Oh, Jan at the back, on oh, Vicky, you can go. <laughs> For those at home, they're walking towards each other in the church. Um, heaven, the revelation, and <laughs> thanks Vicky. <laughs> steadfast love is like the Hebrews passage about talking about God's steadfast love. Thank you. And the one, it's, it's that there is no more heaven to give, that, that absolute sense that, you know, it was everything, Jesus was everything, that there was nothing more that could have been done other than Jesus who came, um, came down to, to do that work that no one else could have done. Thank you, great. I'm pleased you're not taking all the themes, but you're starting to get into some of the things I've picked out. 
Let's see the next slide again, Sam, please. Okay. Anything jumps out in that slide to you? Yeah, thank you. Don't you think the last statement there, yet not I will fight in me, will be Galatians 2.20? Okay, do you want to say what that is? It says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yeah. I live, but not I, but, but not I, but Christ who lives through me. And the life I live now, I live by faith mm. through the Son of God who loved me and died for me. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you so much. Matt? Sorry, John, I did see your hand, but Vicky's further away from Matt, so I thought I'd get Matt first. Uh, for the line that says, for my life is wholly bound to his, it reminds me of Matthew 16, 24, where, it says, where Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Thank you. And John Brown? The first line there, to this I hold my hope is only Jesus. If we look at John's Gospel where the Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Mm. So there, there is just one way uh, to be saved, and that's through Jesus. So the hope is there in Christ alone. Thank you very much. Thank you. These are all helpful comments. Thank you, Sam. We'll take the slide off now. And so we're going to look at this in a bit more detail in a moment. But I wonder what's inspired you already to prayer and praise. Just by studying those words for a bit longer than the time it takes us to sing them. Because sometimes we sing them and we're so quickly onto the next theme of the next verse. We don't pause long enough to let something actually go into us and actually impact us and maybe as we go through this theme verse by verse over the next four months you'll use the verse that we've had maybe a few times maybe just once a week in that month and just go through it and study it and say yes Lord thank you Thank you, Lord, for the gift of grace. Thank you for Jesus, my Redeemer. Thank you, Lord, for that self-emptying, that love. Let's pray. Lord, we know this song's not your inspired word in the form of scripture, but we thank you, Lord, that it picks up your inspired word of scripture and makes it come back to us fresh again and lord we do believe that as the writer of this song puts it together that the holy spirit's at work in that writer and lord we thank you for those who have for years just created songs that inspire our worship 
Lord, forgive us for the times when we reject something because we don't like the tune or accept something too easily without thinking it through. Lord, as we come to open this up and understand it better tonight, may we know your leading. And as the scripture itself says, may the Holy Spirit lead us into all truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so let's hear a scripture read that picks up many of the themes in this. And Matthew's going to read it from Romans chapter 5. Okay, good evening church. Our reading this evening, go away Google, is from Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 21, and I'm reading from the ERV. Right with God. We have been made right with God because of our faith, so we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our faith, Christ has brought us into that blessing of God's grace that we now enjoy, and we are very happy because of the hope we have of sharing God's glory. And we are also happy with the troubles we have. Why are we happy with troubles? Because we know that these troubles make us more patient, and this patience is proof that we are strong. And this proof gives us hope. And this hope will never disappoint us. We know this because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts through the Holy Spirit he gave us. Christ died for us when we were unable to help ourselves. We were living against God, but at just the right time, Christ died for us. Very few people will die to save the life of someone else, even if it is for a good person. Someone might be willing to die for an especially good person. But Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And by this, God showed how much he loves us. We have been made right with God by the blood sacrifice of Christ. So through Christ, he will surely be saved, from, we will surely be saved from God's anger. I mean that while we were still God, while we were God's enemies, he made friends with us through his son's death. And the fact that we are now God's friends makes it even more certain that he will save us through his son's life. And not only will we be saved, but we also rejoice right now in what God has done for us through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is because of Jesus that we are now God's friends. Adam and Christ. Sin came into the world because of what one man did. And with sin came death. So this is why all people must die because all people have sinned. Sin was in the world before the law of Moses, but God does not consider people guilty of sin if there is no law. But from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, everyone had to die. Adam died because he sinned by not obeying God's command. But even those who did not sin that time, that same way, had to die. That one man, Adam, can be compared to Christ the one who was coming in the future. But God's free gift is not like Adam's sin. Many people died because of the sin of that one man. But the grace that people received from God was much greater. Many received God's gift of life by the grace of this other man, Jesus Christ. After Adam sinned once, he was judged guilty. 
but the gift of God is different. His free gift came after many sins and it makes people right with him. One man sinned and so death ruled all people because of that one man. But now some people accept God's full grace and his great gift of being made right. Surely they will have true life and rule through the one man, Jesus Christ. So that one sin of Adam brought the punishment of death to all people. But in the same way, Christ did something so good as it makes all people right with God. And that brings them true life. One man disobeyed God and many became sinners. But in the same way, one man obeyed God and many will be made right. The law was brought in so that more people would sin the way Adam did. But where sin increased, there was even more of God's grace. Sin once used death to rule us, but God gave us more of his grace so that grace could rule us by making us right with him. And this brings us eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the word of the Lord. Thank you, Matt. Any notices tonight, Hayley? No, just to remind you, Wednesday at RBC is online. If you haven't got the link, it's on the notice sheet, um, which you would have hopefully been sent. And it'd be great to see you as we continue looking at the theme of the Trinity. And also Wednesday lunchtime service here in the church. Thank you for all who give their offerings. And uh, it's good that we be able to do the work of God through the gifts of God's people. Let's just give thanks to God for the gifts we have. Lord, we thank you that you have brought so much into our lives. And Lord, our offerings are just a small token back. And Lord, we just pray you will take those gifts and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we go in to look at this song a bit deeper, we're going to just sing another song. This is one that we've sung several times as well in the past. Holy words long preserved for our work. Walk in this world. Let's stand as we sing. And so we're going to contrast this modern song with the ancient words. The ancient words, those words of Scripture. Can I just say that sometimes when you try to do this, you're going around trying to find a scripture to fit. I found in this song, I've had to not use probably 70 or 80% of the scriptures I found. So you're probably going to say, ah, oh, but when we came to that point, Ian, why did you not use this scripture? And the reason is, call the midwife's coming. And people wanted to be home before the end of it. But I can't promise before the beginning of it. Seriously, there is just so much about the themes in this song. But it starts off, what gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? Gift of 
grace, very Christian word. But what's that mean? It's giving that which we do not deserve. And Jesus, who's a redeemer. Jesus, who has actually bought us with a price. If you were in debt in the bank and somebody went to the bank and said, I want to pay off their debt, they will be your redeemer. They have redeemed you. And that's exactly what the theme of redeemer means. So where do we go? Well, we could have gone into so many parts of scripture, but I'm going to just jump straight into the book of Romans, some of which Matthew read and other parts. But in Romans chapter 3, it says this. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through the faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. There is no distinction, for all have fallen short of the glory of God being justified as a gift by his grace, the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. All have sinned. All who trust in Jesus have been redeemed. And there you have that line in one scripture there, in Romans 3, 21 to 24. And in Romans, often described as the fifth gospel, because it's got the whole of the gospel tied together in a, quite a weighty tone, the writer to the Romans is very keen to point out the world's problem and God's solution. And we see that in that verse. We jump to chapter 4, verses 3 to 8. It says... For what does the scripture say? Adam believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited, credited as a favour, but as what is due. But the one who does not work, but believes in him, who, ju who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God's credit righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Isn't that great? God's not going to take the sins into account. And in there, they're quoting from Psalm 32 as well, if you want to cross-reference this back to the Old Testament, that there is forgiveness and our sin is not going to be taken into account by God. That's a relief, isn't it? Just stop to think about that for a minute. How much have we done wrong in the past? If there was somebody who was going to do the charge sheet against us to present to Jesus on our day of judgment, my charge sheet would be really long. I don't know about yours. Really long. And Jesus would say, well, dealt with, dealt with, dealt with, dealt with, dealt with, dealt with, dealt with. 
I don't deserve it. But it's the gift of grace that Jesus, my Redeemer, has done for me. And God's not going to take it into account. Back to the reading that Matthew read from Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's something quite immense. That, that Just that line, if you stop to think about that. Because Jesus has forgiven us, by grace, we can have peace with God. Maybe you'll think of a broken human relationship that you've experienced in the past. You know, when you've fallen out with somebody or somebody's fallen out with you, and the next time you get together, there's that awkwardness, that tension that's there. I hope they don't bring it up again. I hope they don't remind me of what I did wrong. There's not peace, is there? There's anything but peace in that broken relationship. But the writer to the Romans is saying, because we have been justified through faith, by accepting it, we can have peace with God. So therefore, our relationship with God is one of peace. We don't have to worry about it. And yes, we'll mess up again, but we have peace. And he goes on to say, through which we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This is something we can boast about. Not because it's something I've done, but we boast about Jesus and what he has done for us. Romans 5 later, verses 6 and 8 starts, it says this, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a very good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's not pushing the text to actually personalise that. Whilst I was still a sinner, Christ died for me, for you. As I say, I could speak to many other texts to just show this, and other ones that I'd chosen but will not repeat now were Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, Galatians 2, 21. Ephesians 1, verse 7. Ephesians 2, I'm going to repeat this one, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. Well, I think that's more or less what the first line says, doesn't it? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, 
not by works, so that no one can boast. Titus 2.11 1 Timothy 1.15-16 And many, many other scriptures that we could use just on that first line. And that first line is central to our understanding and our faith in Jesus Christ. And if we do not accept that it is by grace we're saved, then our faith is useless. <coughs> but when we accept that it's by faith we have been saved, we have one of the most exciting messages to tell. And then we come to the second line. There is no more now for no more for heaven now to give. Well, Vicky mentioned this one, but uh, I've struggled with this. <coughs> Excuse me, I've struggled with this line, and I've struggled with this line for two reasons. Not because I don't think it's theologically sound. I think it's theologically absolutely sound. You'll be pleased to know. But I'm not sure in which way the writer was writing it. So just run with me for a minute. There is now no more for heaven, or there's now no more for heaven to give. Does that mean heaven's given everything? Because, you know, God has sent his son from heaven to live in the, uh, this world, to die in our place, to return to heaven, and the Holy Spirit came. So yes, there's no more for heaven now to give. But when I read it first time, I thought, well, that, does that mean that heaven stopped giving? And the answer is no. Because although we say there is now no more for heaven to give, we don't need anything else from God. Our salvation is there. And God has given salvation, but in God's nature, even though he has given everything we need, he's still giving. He hasn't stopped. He's giving more than we need, more than we deserve, more than we can cope with, probably. And so... Scriptures that could be used for this. Isaiah passage that we often read at Christmas. Isaiah 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that came to fulfilment in the nativity passages of Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38, or Matthew 1, 18 to 25. We could use verses like John 3, 16 that we have heard. God loved the world so much, he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in that son shall not die, but shall have eternal life. 
and back to the Romans 5 passage I used just now, just at the right, right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. All these verses show that God, heaven has no more now to give. God has done his full part. God has completed the mission <coughs> Sorry, to come and seek and save the lost. He's completed the mission to rescue us. Mission accomplished. But he's still giving. He's still giving. As you were talking earlier, I was then reminded of the passage from Philippians 2. That uh, he, being very nature God, did not take equality with God, something to be taken for granted, but he emptied himself of everything to become a servant. being obedient even to death upon a cross. What more could God give us? There's no more for heaven now. To give. Then it goes on. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. Well, in those, that one line, probably there is over 120 different texts you could choose. Let me just give you joy. He is our joy. So 1 Thessalonians 1 6. He, you became imitators of us and the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of se severe suffering. With joy given by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecting, perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him. So yes, he's our joy. Our righteousness. Well, where do you begin with that? You see, righteousness is everything Christ has made us. He has made us righteous by his forgiveness. And again, I could have picked so many, but I'm just going to just focus on 2 Timothy 4. Now there is a store for me, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. That crown of righteousness. As I was just uh, thinking about that, that made me stop in my tracks. We've got the Olymp Winter Olympics going on at the moment. People doing crazy things on snow. And uh, you just watch the downhill skiing and they jump and you think, how do they not break their legs more often? But each one of them are doing it to be the best of the world. And the one who does it furthest or fastest or best or in curling with the biggest shouts to get their stone closest to the target or whatever... 
the one who does it the best, will be awarded a medal that says in the gold, you were the best at the Winter Olympics 2022. And that they will have earned. That is something they have worked hard for, they have trained for, they have done everything. But Christ is going to award and give to each one of us a crown of righteousness. And I sort of think, how could I possibly wear such a thing? Because I've not trained for it, I've not been worthy of it, I've not done all those things. And God says, no, you haven't. But because of my son and your forgiveness, it's yours. We often joke those of us who are on Zoom for the Wednesday evenings or leadership meetings, John Brown has a halo behind his head. I'm probably going to break the bubble. It's artificial, John. <laughs> but one day you're going to have a crown of righteousness that will shine even greater. And that shine will be because of what Christ has done. He's my joy, my righteousness, and freedom. Well, there's another sermon and a half in that one word. The freedom for which Christ has given us. Again, so many texts we could choose from this one. And you know, I'm skipping over so many of my notes because I obviously got carried away when I was writing this because I've got far more notes than I'm going to use tonight. I'm on page 7 of 12. Just hold on. <laughs> and I'm going to miss most of page 7 because I, I was going to mention Acts 13, 38 39, Romans 8, 1 to 4. But I'm going to focus in on the Galatians 5 reading. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And 1 Peter 2.16 says, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Freedom. Freedom from our past. Freedom from guilt. Free to be the people of God. Free to not worry about the future because Christ has us in his hands. Freedom. He's my joy, my righteousness, and freedom. My steadfast love and deep and boundless peace. 
For love, we can again mention John 3.16. We can mention John 13.34, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down their life for their friends. We've mentioned the passage of Romans 5, 6 to 8 and Romans 8 again. And then there's the Ephesians 2, 4 to 5. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Again, there are many, many more passages that remind us of God's love for us. One of the most famous passages of scripture is that one that's read probably at most weddings because nobody else can find another passage that mentions love from 1 Corinthians 13 love is kind, patience and all the rest of it and a good exercise is just read that passage but every time it says love change the word to Jesus and it's absolutely true because Jesus is love and Jesus is patient and kind. He's not self-seeking. He keeps no record of wrongs. He always perseveres. And the writer of the song puts the steadfast love. Steadfast is something you can hold on to. I go back to the sea analogy when I downed the lighthouse. The anchor. If you've got a ship with anchor, you want something firm to put that anchor into. During the pandemic in uh, uh, the Tor Bay, where Vicky and I come from, there was all these cruise ships put there. You could go down to Tor Bay. You could, I think they had them in Falmouth Harbour. They had them in some other bays. They just parked them for the pandemic. And there was a site you could see eight or ten cruise fit ships. But they went into these places where their anchor would hold. They could get a grip on the seabed. The steadfast love is a love we can hold on to through the fiercest storms, through the all the the world throws at us, Jesus' love will not fail. It is steadfast. My steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. <clears throat> Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
and Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since you are members of one body, you are called to peace, and be thankful. One of the things that is hardest for people to find in the world, this world, at the moment, is peace. People are in turmoil, chewed up. But in Christ, peace can be found. Peace can be found with faith in Jesus. And so let's just continue through conscious of time to this I hold my hope is only Jesus Acts 4 10 to 12 the stone the builder rejected has become the cornerstone salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name in, in heaven given to mankind by which we may be saved. John 14, 6, the, word, the passage that John quoted, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. People think Christians are arrogant you know, you'll have the debates going around. Well, don't all, all religions lead to God? I'm going to tell you, Jesus is the only way to eternal life. There is no other way. Living a good life, you'll fail. Trusting in all kinds of idols, you will fail. And although it sounds arrogant and exclusive... The Bible is clear, Jesus came, he's offered a free gift to all. If they put their trust in Jesus, they will live eternal life and have forgiveness. But there is no other way. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. Only For my life is wholly bound to his. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. <clears throat> our entire life is centered on Christ. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of My life is wholly bound to him. Because Christ is alive, I'm alive. Because Christ has saved me, I have eternal life. And the only way I'm going to have eternal life is my faith in Jesus Christ. I am totally bound to that. 
totally bound. I don't know if anybody watches The Apprentice. I'm afraid I avoid it. But they're always trying to find a product where they're going to make loads of money. And I know some people twist the gospel to try and make loads of money. But if you think about what I have just told you there, what this song has told us, if you think about how valuable it could be to anyone, you can't put a price on it, can you? <coughs> you can't put a price on it. <coughs> Yet Christ gave it free. Totally, totally free. But it is bound with our relationship with Christ. It's not separate from. Oh, how strange and divine. I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ. we no longer live but Christ lives within us Galatians chapter 2 20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me the life I live now in the body I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me and so our lives are Christ living through us? And Acts chapter 6, verse 5. You remember the looking for uh, <coughs> a new, uh, the deacons, and that's in Acts chapter 6. This repeat, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And that sense that they chose people who were full of Jesus. Because Christ was reigning within them. And so, how strange and divine, I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Do you not know you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? And God dwells within your midst. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 19. Galatians 4, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight as it is written. He catches the wise with their craftiness. And then a final verse for tonight. You'll be tested on this next month. 2 Timothy 1, 14. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Oh, how strange and divine. I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ. verse <coughs> tells us so much 
of God's love for us. So much of our security, so much of God working in us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your scriptures. And Lord, for that which you want us to take away, to burn within us, just dwell it into our hearts. Burn it within us. And may, Lord, we know that we're loved by you. We're forgiven by you. And Lord, we want to say thank you that there is nothing more for heaven to give. You've done all that we need, yet, Lord, you have not left us as orphans. But your Holy Spirit still works within us. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's, as we close, sing the hymn we've been looking at. Yet not I, but through Christ.
Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home, and day by day I know he will renew me, until I stand with joy before the throne, to this I go. of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. If you want to avoid the wind going across the front of the building and knocking people over, you might find it easier to go out to the side door tonight, because it's certainly very strong out there. God bless you, and thank you for being here. You are allowed out the front door. It's not that we're saying you've got to go out with tradesmen.